Second. Honey, honey, there's a hot topic. Oh, God damn it. Pull, pull the fucking car over. I gotta buy some fucking trip pants. Ha cha cha. Delicious. How many times can I get him to do the intro, you think? <laughs> right. I think we got a couple more. Round three. All right. We got gas in the tank. We got money in the bank. And welcome to the Christmas show. It's the Christmas <laughs> episode. What? We did that last week. It's more. It's still. We got. Well, there's 14 days of Christmas, right? God damn it. Is there 13? I mean, I have I think Trisc- it's 12. Okay, good. Because I have triscodecophobia. So 12, 12 or 14 is fine. Never 13. <laughs> Welcome to the March and Mitch Show, starring Celine Santa's Pond. And tonight we're going to talk to you today about our artist of the week, which is going to be Free Throw from Triple Crown Records. We're going to throw it on back to Celine as they're going to talk to you about the different protests happening at the state capitol right here in our own backyard. And then we're going to throw it on over to Mitchell Herring so we can learn about the throwback film of the week which is little nicky adam sandler with the emo haircut for sure and then finally we're gonna throw it on to t-pain who's gonna spit some bars to wrap up the show t-pain thank you so much how was how was the flight over here it was all right (laughs) (laughs) little nicky sponsored by popeyes sponsored by popeyes Let's get the ball ball rolling. Let's get the ball rolling. I'm here to bowl a strike tonight, or in this case, make a free throw, because that's the band we're talking about this week, is uh, the band fronted by Corey Castro from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Free Throw is a pop-punk emo band. They're currently on Triple Crown Records and have been active since about 2012. Their members are Corey Castro, Jake Hughes, Lawrence Warner, Justin Castro, and Kevin Garcia. Uh, Free Throw has been around since April 2012. A lot of their music, to me, has been very fun and inspiring. Uh, They deal with different topics ranging from pretty much everything to getting blasted on beers every night to smoking hella cigarettes to pretty much uh, having just a really, really good foundation for pop punk and having fun and just basically, you know, seeing your life travel to weird spaces mentally and physically in your 20s. Uh, funny enough, I had actually met Corey Castro, the front man for Free Throw, and he had spoke that he actually used to do hip hop before he got into pop punk, which is really fucking hilarious. Because nowadays you see most of these emo guitar guys, they start off playing rock rock instruments and then they and then they decide to do sad rap or emo trap. Uh, the song of the week is off their 2019 album. What's past is prologue. It's uh, one of my. It was one of my favorite records last year, and I still like to turn on some of the songs uh, even now. I was going through a very uh, long, long stint where I was doing day drinking a lot, and like I would pretty much polish off a few beers and go back to bed on my days off. Was yeah. <laughs> what is it? What do you mean was? You know I live with you, right? <laughs> I used to use drugs. I still do, but I used to too. <laughs> Why are you lying to them? It's and it's fitting because the album is called "What's Past Is Prologue." You know, I had a I had a, I had a little sober break. You know me, you know, but you know my story, Mitch. But wow. yeah, I must have missed it. What's what's <laughs> what's fitting though is the album is called "What's Past Is Prologue," and the first track on the album, which we're talking about for our song of the week, is called "Smokes." Let's go. I feel like it's anyone if you ever had like an addiction to smoking cigarettes or smoking weed, it's probably like super super relatable as a coping mechanism. Um, you know, the song opens with, you know, I had my first, I bought my first pack in four years today and I was just like, damn, that's some real shit. And like, you know, dude, cause like I quit for like, I had a, like a bad time last summer and like I bought my first pack in three years and that was like, I was going through that same problem the same like week that the album came out. 
And it was just really relatable. The song is called Smokes Let's Go, and it's featured off their album, Blitz Past as Prologue by Free Throw. Here is your song of the week on the March and Mitch Show, starring Celine. About my voice, or the things that my poor mother would say if she found out that I made this choice. I was thinking about your face and the look of disappointment that you would surely cast my way. Sails I've hoisted. I float away, path curling like the smoke off my tongue. Still hurting motions close tight like my lungs. No, I said I'd never write about you again. But a promise ain't a promise if we both have never held up our end. No, a promise ain't a promise if we both have never. guys so much for checking out free throw be sure to listen to their music they are on triple crown records and they're from nashville tennessee i enjoyed their tour for this album where they hung out with uh youth fountain and the other band max seal uh lead singer Corey castro is a huge pokemon fan and if you know the march and mitch show we fucking love pokemon so much celine is actually the first non-binary champion of the pokemon league it's true yeah most definitely. The Galar region is very proud of you, Celine. Thank you so much. The people in their kingdom are very proud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have references to, they have a song called Pallet Town. They have a song called Better Have Burn Heal. They also have 
a song uh, dedicated to Victory Road. Um, Corey Castro's lyrics are always a bit self-deprecating. He's got different stances I've really enjoyed. They have a song called uh, Two Beers In, which I really, really like. Um, they have that other song where it's like, Drunk in my room, alone again, for the fourth night this week. Call my friends, see if they want to come over, but they don't care. <laughs> it's just like, damn, this is so fucking relatable. Why is this, is, you know, it's so, it's very, very like rare that I have a, a front man I identify with so fucking much. And it's, it's, but it's very comical though. Like, I don't ever feel terribly sad when I listen to their music. It's almost like, to the point of where it's it's semi it's semi satirical and it's like sarcasm and I kind of enjoy that <laughs> in Corey's music because I feel like me personally like I'm not a very sarcastic person and, and I I'm never one to like you know be satirical of others so to kind of channel that through his music is very very entertaining I really enjoy listening to Free Throws music they have a new single out called Swig that I also uh, would recommend checking out. Uh, a lot of good bands on Triple Crown Records, and this has been mostly like a pop punk and sad rap show as far as the music segment. I know we've had a few sleepers with other, you know, tunes talking about just like different stuff out there. But for real though, this music, I feel like 2020, it's been a good year for pop punk. Pop punk's definitely coming back. I'll never be like a big, you know, gatekeeper or, or, or about like a purist for like keeping pop punk in the pop punk realm, especially after, you know, you see all these people that are you know getting into like mgk's new album where he's like he's in the pop punk realm now and he's kind of like obviously borrowing a lot and you know that but i feel like you know what dude let let people enjoy things that's that's the real moral mm-hmm. of the story just let people enjoy stuff like why can't this we year all... is bad enough without <laughs> people nitpicking the things that you like just let people enjoy stuff like we unless all... <laughs> you like coronavirus or racism just go ahead and like whatever you like like we've got bigger things to be worried about than what pop punk really is seriously what'd you think of the track this week csp i really liked it i really want to look up more of these guys because that i i'm always like a big fan of those kind of somber reflective tracks but with that kind of like edge of sarcasm like you mentioned okay nice like it's, it's a very different musical style obviously than hobo johnson but i feel like the kind of emotional vibe is a little bit similar that kind of like sarcastic self-deprecating like almost ironic like you really can't kind of tell exactly where he lands on these feelings like this is definitely a little bit more like actually in touch with emotions, I think. But it's yeah, it's got that that interesting kind of ironic, sarcastic vibe while also, you know, speaking his truths about how hard it is to be a person. I really, really like your point. I really like your point. Mitchell, did you identify at all with any of the talks or the the, the lyrics about like smoking and quitting smoking at all? Yes. What's the longest <laughs> what's the longest you've been able to quit? Um it's like a year and a half. Damn, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's what's up. That's what's up. I I recently re- started smoking again myself, and then once my you know asthma symptoms returned, I quickly went to the chewing tobacco. So that means I'm officially an Oregonian now. I use chewing, I use chewing tobacco. Call him Marchewski. Ah! <laughs> what have you? Why have you done this? <laughs> <laughs> and free throw. That's our artist of the week. The song is Smoke Let Smokes. Let's go off their 2019 album. What's past is prologue, and now. 
this segment is now passed and our we're going to give you a prologue to our next segment where Celine Santa's Pond is going to talk to you about the protests happening at uh, the state capitol in our very own backyard. Celine, take it away. Oh, do I have to? Yeah. I really don't want to. This is so stupid. I'm I'm so mad that this is like the biggest most relevant news of the week because it's just so fucking dumb, but yeah, so uh obviously everything in response to coronavirus continues to be a hot mess. Um, right now we're in the wake of like literally minutes before we started recording, I was looking up the updates on the stimulus package. It's still completely up in the air. Either we're getting $600 or Donald Trump is going to not sign it because he wants us to have $2,000, which is never going to happen. Why not? Uh, Mitch McConnell in the Senate is right. never, ever going to pass anything that actually they, they, meaningfully helps any of his con- constituents. They literally make oh. it. They're literally acting like it's their money. I know. Yeah, no, but Mitch McConnell, he he will help his constituents over his own dead body. That's that's his entire ethos as a politician is how can I be as unhelpful to the people who voted me in as possible? <laughs> so he's definitely not going to be interested in a $2,000 stimulus package. So either we're getting $600 or we're getting $2,000 or we're getting nothing. And it, it'll just be a fun little charade to figure out what we're basically playing roulette at this at the uh at the government level yeah exactly it's it's fucking spin the bottle Mm. that they're playing up there with our entire livelihoods um (laughs) so that's cool um but yesterday so i don't want to talk too much about the stimulus first of all because we don't have any real news on it so far other than what i've mentioned um so i kind of want to talk about just something interesting that's been happening in oregon because i think that oregon has become kind of a really interesting epicenter of a lot of the cultural battles that are playing out more broadly in America. So, you know, first of all, Portland had over a hundred nights consecutively of Black Lives Matter protests that were obviously very widely covered. National Guard was sent in. We talked about this. And so it's, that's kind of a one good example of being the epicenter of a cultural moment. And then on the flip side, we also have a lot of very far right radicals who have always been here, but are making themselves much more known. And some of those groups came out in pretty impressive force yesterday, Monday. Um, different groups, including Patriot Prayer, which is a known, very racist group. Um, they've advocated for everything against being against Black Lives Matter to trying not to let Syrian refugi- refugees live in Oregon. They're just a despicable organization. And that was one of the main groups that organized what they themselves described as an illegal assembly. So they put out pamphlets saying, we need a thousand patriots to show up at the Oregon State Capitol for an illegal assembly. And so that's the words they used. They were like, we're doing an illegal thing. Please come help us do crimes. (laughs) And so they ended up deciding to interrupt a special session that was taking place at the Capitol yesterday that Governor Kate Brown called specifically so that legislators could evaluate measures they can use to help Oregonians fight coronavirus. And so they showed up over over 100 people showed up, which is still like a tenth of the thousand people that were supposed to show up, according to them. Mm-hmm. It's already kind of failing. But so uh, over 100 people showed up, mostly unmasked, pretty much entirely unmasked. In the pictures I saw, only the police were wearing masks. And ultimately, four people were arrested. And there's one guy, Jeremy Roberts, who's currently being sought for arrest for, again, doing crimes. And so what happened is they arrived at 8.30 a.m. 
and immediately began trying to rush the building because the Capitol had legislators inside. Currently, it's closed to the public due to coronavirus. And so they started immediately trying to rush the building so that they could go. The, the ultimate goal is unclear, but ultimately, obviously, they had some idea of threatening the legislators for having coronavirus policies, basically. And so they arrived at 8.30. They started rushing the building as soon as somebody happened to exit. So they just took that opportunity and entered the atrium of, of the Capitol. I'm sure they were terrified. They were freaking out. I know. Yeah. Like, imagine <laughs> being some random fucking staffer. Like, you're a Willamette student who's so hungover every day you want to die. And <laughs> all of a sudden, there's this guy with fucking bear mace and a gun in the Capitol. But yeah, so they like they came and they shot off uh, bear spray in the Capitol. Like when officers tried to arrest them and be like, hey, you can't be here. They just fucking doused the officers with bear spray. Damn. Yeah. Finally, the officers got the people to leave the lobby of the Capitol, um, at which point people just got more and more aggressive. So they were like pushing against the officers who were evicting them from the lobby. They continued to stay bes- despite being told, hey, this is an unlawful assembly. And they were like, we know that was in our pamphlet. And so at the point where they got outside around like 10.30 a.m., people start doing things like um, like there was more mace, more bear spray used. One guy ended up being arrested at this moment for being a felon in possession of body armor as well as unlawful use of mace on an officer. And then a couple other guys were arrested around the same time for attempting to. And there's videos of this. Like you can watch videos of these guys just super fucking casually kicking in the doors at the Capitol. Like, yeah, just fucking stamping their heel into it until the glass breaks. People broke windows trying to break in. Luckily, nobody actually got it. And like, luckily, they were apprehended prior to being able to get in and do some type of damage inside. And ultimately, the guy who's currently wanted for arrest was uh, he's wanted for trying to break into the Capitol. He's one of the guys seen on video as kicking the doors, as well as attacking two reporters. So there's a video that I saw of a reporter who happened to have his camera out at the time. And this guy, Jeremy Roberts, is just standing there looking pretty calm until he sees the reporter, at which point he drops whatever he's holding and just rushes the guy. And then you don't really see anything after that, because at that point, the reporter dropped his camera as well. Because he was being attacked. But yeah, so he's wanted. He's like some random dude in Oregon who's wanted for trying to break into the Capitol and attack reporters. Um, luckily, the legislature did manage to finish their session despite this interruption and the threat of violence. And I say luckily because they passed a lot of COVID relief bills. That Well, they passed all of the bills that were on the table. So everything that was on the table has been put up to Kate Brown to sign off on. She called the special session. She's definitely going to sign this. And right now we are looking, assuming again that she signs this, we are looking at $800 million set aside specifically for COVID wildfire relief. So that looks like helping people who've lost their homes due to wildfires Word. as kind of a, like a side note, as well as relief for tenants. So we've extended the eviction moratorium until July. <clears throat> pardon me, relief for tenants, as well as relief for landlords. Like, landlords have also been relieved of their burdens of paying certain costs that they typically would owe if things were functioning correctly. So a lot of good stuff. Um, we're also seeing that they're doing things to, you know, protect everyday activities by Oregonians, like limiting the fees of third-party apps like Uber Eats for pickup and delivery at local restaurants. I heard we have to-go cocktails now. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's another part of this is to go to cocktails. That's been like a big sticking point for a lot of bars and businesses. They're like, you won't let us sell cocktails, but we can't sell cocktails if people don't come in. So they're allowing that now, as well as investing a lot of money in vaccines. So regular Oregonians are going to have potentially better access to vaccines, hoping that all goes according to plan. And so obviously it's, it's frustrating because it's still not enough. It's 
you know, as, as much as the state of Oregon is trying to do, there's only so much that they can do without federal assistance. And right now the federal assistance on the table is, you know, like we talked about, either $600, maybe 2000 or probably nothing at this point. Mm. And so, like, I want to say, like, the rage of the people at the Capitol is super valid. Like, I am also raging. I am also pissed that we still have to live in this, like, COVID-restricted world. And I'm also pissed that people aren't doing more to help out, you know, me, but also people who are affected much more by this. So I'm also pissed, but this is obviously a really bad way to, to go about it because going unmasked and saying, hey, we don't like that you make people wear masks and we can't go out to bars. It's like you're extending the problem. Obviously, we've talked about this before. But so it's it's all just a clusterfuck at this point. Like people are pissed off. They're rightfully pissed off, but they're also doing dumbass, weird patriot prayer shit at the Capitol for it. Um, one thing I did think was kind of funny, though, is that protesters were pissed that the police were actually trying to shut them down. So I read a couple quotes of people who were out there at the rallies, like journalists, like noted down random things they heard people <laughs> saying. Uh, one guy, like, you know, observed a police truck going by and he was like, wow, we sure pay a lot to buy them nice trucks so that they can control us. It's like, yep, that's that that is how taxes to finance the police without defunding them work. You're correct, sir. Um, as well as another guy who said. We spent eight months at Back the Blue rallies, and this is how you thank us. And so all of these right-wingers who previously previously thought, like, only Black Lives Matter people are going to be impacted by the police. Like, maybe if they just simmered down and had the right politics and were nice th to the cops, the cops would let them do whatever they want. And now they're finding that the cops are, in fact, tools of the state, and they don't just get to do whatever they want because they happen to go to a Back the Blue rally. When white terrorism backfires. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Backfire the blue. <laughs> But yeah, so that's my my big shining light on on this particular event is the fact that so many people are at least now learning that the police are actually just tools of the state who are there to enforce whatever the state said. So maybe we can have more productive conversations about the police now that these people at least realize that the police won't just randomly protect them because they were at a rally one time. So that could be something interesting in the next several months to see how the attitudes towards police shift. But yeah, so right now, ultimately, my piece comes down to it's it's a clusterfuck out there. People are pissed. They have a right to be pissed. And they're being dumbasses about it in some cases. You heard it here first on the March and Mitch show featuring nobody because the star is Celine now. Wah, 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 wah. Star. Starring. A star is born. Yeah. And now we find ourselves on the tail end of this journey where you can close your eyes and be whisked away into a magical world, a magical land that you can visit if you make wrong choices, do bad things, and then die. We're talking about <laughs> Little Nicky and his adventure from hell. I thought you were talking about the Marion County uh, Justice Court, but okay. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fiery flames waiting for you. Me and Alex broke down and watched Viva La Bam last week. That was pretty tight. Oh, we need to do that again ASAP. Yeah. Oh, so good. It was a good time. Power to season one. Yeah. Intro yeah. intro song by Bloodhound Gang Slap. No, it's a Turbo Negro. Yeah. Who uh is the is the intro song? That song. 
Slaps. Freaking fires on all cylinders. It's like the real American dream is really just having a bunch of money you get from skateboarding reps and entertainment companies so that you can live in a mansion <laughs> with all your best friends and get paid to videotape you and your friends doing stunts and stupid shit. Yeah. David Dobrik and um, the other guy, they've, they've proven this to be true. And then the, uh, ho- the homeowners association just sends them mean, mean letters. You're like, where there's evidence that there was an elephant on your on your on your property, and it was really loud for the neighbors. That was really <laughs> funny. Yeah, the the eviction notices or the the he eventually did had to go. He'd go, and that season two is when he buys the uh, the barn. Yep, he buys the barn, and then ape ape and Phil get to uh, live peacefully in their house while he destroys his own property for once Literally. his 20 22 year old uh man child <laughs> stops destroying their house finally although the blue episode is hilarious even the bananas literally <laughs> dude it's just it's just funny seeing him go to his parents room at four in the morning and just starts wailing on his dad just like bam what are you doing he's just hitting his dad <laughs> repeatedly just wailing on god, his ass god damn bam oh, stop cut the shit out <laughs> some of the best stuff. Phil is so tolerant. It's probably why Bam's such a fuck. <laughs> if he had been a bit more, yeah, ju- you know, dis- disciplinary. If he had spanked him at least twice, Bam probably would have an <laughs> iota of fucking manners. But whatever. Uh, no, no, no. Today we're here to talk about uh, little little Nikki. Little Nikki. We 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 covered Eight Crazy Nights last week, and uh, that was like the Christmas Grinch uh, comparison. I was thinking about doing another Christmas movie, but I was just like, meh, I don't really, meh, eh. Everybody's doing Christmas movies, so I did a movie about hell. Hell. Welcome to hell. I got Adam Sandler with emo hair. <laughs> that movie is funnier than a motherfucker. I, so funny. Uh, it, it, I forgot, I was literally laughing at the movie itself. It's uh, one of the best little Adam Sandler movies. There's a fat throwback to Happy Gilmore with Chubbs when he dies and finally goes to heaven. And like, I was not ready for that. I was like, oh shit. I, for- I mean, I had seen it before, but I forgot about it, you know? Um, surprisingly enough, this is another Adam Sandler movie where all of Adam Sandler's friends and family, uh, his whole crew, are in the same movie. You know, he's pulling a Quentin Tarantino and he's got everybody. Which is ironic because Quentin Tarantino. I was I was doing epic foreshadowing. Because Tarantino is a guy who made movies sometimes. The director of this movie is Stephen Brill, and then the writers were Tim Hurley, Adam Sandler, um, and one other fuck who nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, that fuck. Uh, I think it was also Stephen Brill, too, but whatever. Um, so yeah, Adam Sandler playing Nikki, and then uh, let's see. It's actually a fat list. Like they got Rodney mm-hmm. Dangerfield as the OG <laughs> Lucifer. Uh, that's pretty good. Let's see, Dana Carvey's in it. John uh, Lovitz, who um, he's that. I don't even know how to describe him. If you you know him, if you know him, he's got that really nasally voice. Uh, Michael McKean, and believe it or not, unrelated into the directing or writing credits, there's Quentin fucking Tarantino as the blind street gospel preacher. And every time little Nicky's walking around on Earth, uh, he's like, I smell the devil. I can smell him. I smell the evil on you. <laughs> and it, and I was watching it this time. I'm like, that that looks like Quentin Tarantino. And lo and behold, I was like, I got to watch the credits. Hold on. Fucking Quentin Tarantino in this movie. And, and this movie <laughs> came out in 2000, mind you. 2000, right? 
Reservoir Dogs came out before this. Like, he's an established director, and for some reason he pops into this fucking movie with Adam Sandler. I just <laughs> didn't... My mind wasn't ready to comprehend it. He's just an actor in this movie for some reason. Like, <laughs> I just don't understand it. It's so fucking wild. It has... Little Nicky has very... What you McCall, uh, like Tim Burton vibes, like the whole like he goes down to hell and the whole scenery and the whole depiction of hell is actually really interesting. The storyline obviously is Little Nicky and his two brothers, his father, um, who is uh, Rob. No, it's not say Rob Schneider. No, Rob, <laughs> Rob Schneider. <laughs> Rob Schneider's in it too for like two seconds. For a second, yeah, yeah. And, and he is a throwback to the Water Boys. Like, you can do it, you Nikki. You can do it. So, so Cut his head off, dude. They threw. There was a lot of throwbacks. I wasn't ready for. Is there a Buscemi cameo in this movie? Steve Buscemi? Uh, I didn't catch him in. I don't think he. No made Buscemi. I don't in this think one. so. Aww. That would have um, been good. I cannot. And it's um the guy is amazing. I can't remember his name, but the guy who plays. Um, actual lucifer is is uh nikki's dad which i think it might have been harvey harvey Keitel, or Keitel. anyone know who i'm talking about I'm not mm. familiar. No. I, I know i've read the name places but yeah harvey Keitel. he's he was the he's the uh he's satan satan has ten thousand years of rule in the underworld uh they're upon the ten thousand reunion uh and instead of chick picking his two sons he decides to rule the th throne for himself. So the two other sons, that's not Little Nicky, uh, dip on over into Earth through the Hellfires. They freeze the Hellfires uh, so nobody can get in. And that causes the whole movie to unfold where, uh, you know, the devil, the current ruling devil is... Uh, unable to you know he lo starts literally losing. deteriorating he's deteriorating. Yeah, he starts falling apart losing his powers and and that's kind of where the movie takes off he's got the talking uh bulldog mm -hmm. which is fucking hilarious and little nicky's i think the contrast of the movie basically is just watching you know the, he's an innocent essentially he's uh he's got zero life exposure he has no idea what's going on so just watching this innocent character who's supposed to be from hell meander through and he's trying to capture his brothers and bring him back to hell and save his dad the the movie is clearly sponsored by popeye's chicken oh yes there is literally I the think number of goddamn popeye's, popeye's chicken shows up in that movie i think once every five to ten minutes <laughs> literally like it, it's more than pro it's like the movie was paid for by popeye's which is amazing. At even the very end, there's a giant bucket of Popeye's chicken that they, that just comes meandering through to like one of the final scenes, and then then it grows chicken legs and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking wild. Oh god, I gotta revisit this movie. Oh man, I have to say, Adam Sandler has a pretty fun use of product placement. Like product placement always annoys me, but like so this one Popeye's was like a like center focus yeah. of like all of the people coming from. You know the the not human world are like, what the fuck is Popeyes? And like, it's like this, it's the most awesome thing, and it's like a whole like running gag while also selling Popeyes. Right. Yeah. Eight crazy nights. They like go to the mall, and I remember when we first watched it, we were like, wow, that's a whole lot of product placement because it was like Sabaros. Yeah. Like all the every malls. single food court thing that you can think of had the exact logo just in cartoon. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other one that we watched, Big Daddy, yeah, had obviously the McDonald's bit yep. about. How do you McDonald's. think he gets these movies paid for? Yeah, right. Dang. But it's like he does it cleverly. Like yeah. you know, normally it's just like a weirdly long shot of a Mercedes Benz. Right. It's like okay, I get it. It's a Mercedes. That's not 
That's not part of the plot. Whereas Adam Sandler makes his product placement part of the plot. He probably gets more money that way. He probably actually like he's like, well, we'll write it into the script if you guys want, and then then you can actually pay us more because we'll actually feature it versus it just being a background. Probably, yeah. And uh, he's sure. a bu- he's a businessman. He's very good. Yeah, we've been talking about getting McDonald's bre- breakfast ever since we saw <laughs> Big Daddy. So uh, yeah, it's because it's effective. The television refresh rate that the government has a patent on. If you're interested, look it up. Just saying. But docile minds absorb, absorb Garbo, and that's what we do. So, anyways, movie, good shit, hilarious, fun to watch, easy to watch. CGI for the dog is top notch. CGI for the other shit's weird. Mm-hmm. Banger ending, though, spoiler alert. Uh, the soundtrack slaps fucking hard. Really hard. Like the entire movie is just like rock and roll. I felt like I was listening to 1039, The yeah. Edge, the ver- growing up at the age of. 10 years old back in Phoenix, Arizona. Just like all of the 90s alt hits just fucking slap. Yeah. Uh, this is a true nostalgia trip. I haven't watched, I mean, it's been, I kind of like the segment because now I have to been like searching for movies that I've seen but like don't remember. And this is the first one that gave me like true nostalgia vibes where I was like, oh, this is a good movie. I mean, granted, like John Wick and The Matrix and Fight Club always will, but like those for me like are, aren't nostalgia because those ones are always fresh in my mind. Those ones are like those are ones that you'll watch. Yeah, I know. I know intimately and uh, have watched them millions of times. So, but like Little Nikki's a movie I think I've seen once, maybe twice on like basic cable when I was probably like 13, late at night on Comedy Central, you know? And so this, this time it was a great, it was a great experience. It gave me all the feels, made me laugh out loud several times, like frequently, almost the entire movie. I was laughing out. The writing was really funny and clever. The characters, actually interesting like little nicky's character like adam sandler for the most part now he doesn't really act he just shows up and is adam sandler in a movie yeah <laughs> literally like like pixel and shit like it's he's, just, he's in character the whole time yeah he's just himself the whole time which is the character and in this one he he legit you know he plays the the speech impediment de- innocent devil <sighs> dad why cassius He's got that stupid, like, like the entire movie, his jaw's cockeyed. Right. That must, his face must have been so sore. I was thinking that while watching it, because he got hit in the face with a shovel by his evil brother. Yeah. And as a child. And it, yeah. <laughs> it's just got this thing going on. hit in the face with a shovel. Dude, yeah. Early on, they explained that. And it's just like, wow. He has, like, a recurring, like, fear of shovels. Like, yeah. they never actually show a shovel in the movie, but there's always this hint that he's really afraid of shovels. Yeah. Yeah, the the writing is super clever, and maybe um, Stephen Brill did, did. I don't know how much he he influenced it, but he they they did a good job. And it's also an original story. It wasn't a rehash. It wasn't a remake. Mm-hmm. It was the story itself. I mean, it's a classic narrative, you know, here epic hero journey. But the story itself is original, and and you don't see that very often anymore. Like it's it's hard to come by original stories i feel like almost all movies are rehashes of something nowadays i mean anything star wars is a rehash or a revive or a remake to the point where they're even just recycling the same lines that people always love to quote yeah and so this is an og original movie content like the only the only other movie that comes close to this is the disney channel original he double hockey sticks i am alone in the studio right now Wait a minute. There's a Disney Channel. Wait, was it was it actually about people? Wilford Dell it? stars in it, dude. The Eric from Boy Meets World. Was it just? Was it about hockey, or was it actually about the underworld? It's about uh, the underworld. It's like this. It's a similar story where the uh, the devil has to go to Earth, and and it's like it's like a. Uh, 
it's like Little Nicky. It's like a similar story. And uh, it's Will Dell and how you guys know Boy Meets World, right? Like, yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 Eric Matthews and uh, Sean Hunter's older brother, the uh, the other guy. What's his name? Nothing. Wow. I never saw uh, Boy Meets World. I. You know what? I don't even want to do the show anymore. Like, <laughs> this is it. This is the last. I remember. Sa- I remember Saved by the Bell. Don't try and change the subject. <laughs> Are you ser- Boy meets seriously? Boy Seriously? Yeah, I remember. It was on. Younger it, than you. It was on. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. <laughs> it was on freaking like after school. You go like, oh guys, Boy Me- Boys Me- World's on with Corey and Topanga, and they're always getting in the shenanigans. And then like I heard, I heard they made like a, a reboot recently. Wow. I mean, okay. Well, so this movie is actually made a year before Little Nicky, so maybe they ripped off this one. It's it's uh the H E double hockey sticks is uh Jesus, I just I don't even know what to do. like you guys don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh let me read just see synopsis because we got a couple minutes before we close up. Uh, okay. so the plot summary for H E double hockey sticks it, again similar. Satan in the form of Miss Beelzebub, uh Ree Furman, sends apprentice <laughs> demon uh, Griffin, uh, Freddy, uh, Wilfredell, uh, the earth surface to steal the soul of a hot young hockey player named David Heinrich Lawrence, Andy Lawrence from the Lawrence brothers. He's the middle Lawrence brother. <laughs> I hate all of you right I now. I never met these brothers. Jesus Christ. No. How did you not watch the Disney channel growing up? I was allowed one half hour of PBS every day and I used it to watch Arthur. Who aspires to be the youngest man to ever win the Stanley Cup. So it's a hockey movie. But it's the devil comes to make a deal with the uh, the hockey player, and, and his job is to steal his soul. So uh, this movie is fucking fire. So again, similar story, hell to earth, yada yada yada. But it's not the same. But it came out a year before. But it, the best part is if you're a friend, if you're friend friendly with Disney Channel, unlike you two fools. <laughs> You get uh, the same chemistry that they had in Boy Meets World because you know in Boy Meets World they were Eric Matthews and uh, Sean Sean's older brother, which is what is Sean Hunter's older brother. This was a big theme in the late '90s and early 2000s. There were a lot of movies with like Heaven and Hell, or like here, here's mm-hmm. like, or like that movie Dogma with like you know Jay and yeah. Silent Bob, and then Professor Snape, <laughs> Jack Hunter. His name was so it was Eric Matthews and Jack, Jack Hunter. So, anyways, yeah, they they show up in the uh, the same movie, uh, are as as their characters basically, and so they pretty much play themselves. Wilfred Dell is just absolutely underrated, though. I mean, like uh, Ron from Kim Possible, like oh okay. He also played Batman Beyond, the animated show. Oh, I fucking love Batman. Yeah, Beyond. the dude is like amazing, and he just has somehow. God is just, ha- I mean, he's made a good career for himself, but like for me, he's always been a favorite. Like, he's the best character in Boy Meets World. Batman Beyond slapped harder than it needed to. Like, we need a Batman Beyond movie. That would be dope, dude. Yeah, Terry McGinnis is a really cool Batman. I didn't, I didn't know he was in, in, in Batman Beyond. Right, bro. That's what I'm saying. And then, so he, in this movie, they do the same thing. So, well, we went from little Nikki to H E double hockey six. <laughs> Y'all did this by not having me, having seen the movie. If you had just watched it once, we'd be moving on. But two devil movies, both of them top-notch, Disney Channel original and a Stephen Brill uh, f- with the random appearance from Quentin Tarantino, which to this day I don't understand. I want the director's commentary, honestly. The version, I want to watch a little Nikki with director's commentary. That needs to be a Netflix. That would be fun, yeah. That needs to be a Netflix feature. Why is that not a Netflix feature? What, director's commentary? Yeah, you can change the audio in eight, like 19 goddamn languages from all over the world, but I can't get director's commentary. 
Yeah, I miss freaking DVD features. Like when you turn on the DVD menu and then you just turn the movie on and like there's like background music and you mm-hmm. got you got special features. Yeah. Credits. Deleted scenes were always my favorite. Play movie. Bloopers. Bloopers, yes. Netflix, step your game up, bro. You're Get it together. You're you're the OG. Comparison yourself. Make DVDs cool again. Yeah. <laughs> really? There's some movies that I think at this point, for at least for us, it would be worth it. Like for me, maybe I'm just gonna have to start collecting DVDs again and start watching movies so I can get director's commentary and give you really deep dives about what's going on in the film. But another day, another story. We're coming in under time here. We've made the conscious decision to wrap our shows in a tiny little package with bows and make sure that you guys are getting the same quality content in a tinier package delivered to your front door, courtesy Amazon Prime. Happy holidays, everyone. This has been the March and Mitch Show featuring no one because the star is Celine. That's my name. Christmas time.